Hi, I'm Hannah Carden and I'm the teaching pastor here at Urban Village Church. My pronouns are she and her and I am so, so glad that you are here with us today. I'm glad that we are here together, that we are a community gathered to love one another, to support one another, to rely on that cloud of witnesses that the scriptures speak of and become a new one. And so I would ask you out there in a different kind of cloud <laughs> to pray with me. God of grace and mercy and peace and power. God who has been there and brought us thus far along the way. God who we trust will give us the strength to endure and to persevere. Whatever may come our way, God, we call upon you and ask you to be with us this day and this hour. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and the actions and movements of our bodies and souls be of you, O God. And if they are not, help us to notice and to turn around that we might always face towards you and your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was a child, I lived in Tokyo, Japan. And every single year, right when the cherry blossoms came out, these beautiful pink flowers on branches of trees, we would go and visit the largest cemetery in the city. A cemetery with 7,000 graves, a cemetery that went back years and hundreds of years, so many families and people. And when we went, there would be lots of other folks there, walking around in the sun, having picnics near the gravestones, bringing food and laughter and joy, and we would all be there together. They are some of my happiest memories. And when I was nine years old, we moved here to the United States. And one of my first memories of this country um, is sitting in the back of a car with a new friend about my age, another child, and we're sitting in the car and all of a sudden she grabs my arm and says, hold your breath. And I looked at her and I said, why? <laughs> and she said, because we're passing the cemetery and pointed out the window and showed me the town cemetery. Um, and she said that we were supposed to hold our breaths so that the ghosts wouldn't get us. And I learned that day that in my new country, I was not supposed to commune with the dead. I was supposed to be afraid of them. You may have learned this uh, in a different way or about a different group of people, but I, I think so often this severing of relationship, this mistrust and fear where there could be love is what the powers and principalities do to us over and over again. It is what white supremacy does to us. It is what capitalism does to us. It is what individualism does to us. It says, no, you are not in loving mutual relationship with your peers or your family or the dead or the people of your faith or those around you. You are not the same as them. You cannot rely on each other. You can only rely on yourself and what you can produce. Fend for yourself. 
you are strong and can do it all, which is another way of saying you are isolated and alone. Do not be vulnerable, do not trust, do not open yourselves up to the unknown <laughs> of that cloud of witnesses or of the cloud in front of you of people who God made. And it's, it's a painful severing. It's a painful severing that leaves us without the resources we need to be because it turns out no one is meant or made to be alone. We all need people, we all need each other. We are because we are. None of us exist without communities and communities of care and the people who have formed us and the people who we have formed. But it also cuts us off from the very strength we need, from the very power we could use to fight back against the powers that tell us to be so small, to be so little, to be so hateful and to be so disconnected. The anonymous preacher to the Hebrews preaching to them in one of the hardest moments of their lives, when they were facing lack of clarity and death and confusion and political oppression, he knew to say to them, it is the cloud of witnesses who will give you power. It is those who have come before, those who you are in communion with already. Those characters of the Bible who have come before you, the Abrahams and the Rebekahs and the Rachels and the Leahs and the Isaiahs and all of them, and the people of your life, the people who came before you, who will give you the power to shake off sin and to endure and persevere as Jesus Christ did not just because you must, not just because you have to, but because of the power of your conviction in the joy that is to come. It is the strength of the ancestors that will give you that. And so this All Souls Day, this Halloween weekend, I am reflecting on the ways in which we have been, sometimes some of us, robbed of that belief that we have a connection that we have an inheritance, even if it can't be named or traced, of people who came before us who also knew struggle, of people who came before us who left inheritances of trauma and pain that we must now take responsibility for repairing or ending, of the people who came before us in faith, who followed Jesus into harder places than we may ever know, people who endured and persevered in that race towards justice and holiness through autocracy and authoritarianism, through apartheid and Jim Crow, through confusions and pains equal to or worse than those we face today. And it is in them that we can find the strength to do whatever comes next and to sustain ourselves and also to sustain one another because we believe we are not alone, but a part of communities that have depth and richness untapped, just waiting in Jesus Christ to empower us. I have been considering this because of the other big day, 
this week, which is election day. And I must confess to you, my beloveds, my community, the people who hold me up and sustain me, that I have been scared. <laughs> that I have had trouble sleeping and trouble focusing because this is a momentous occasion and day in which the dangers that are arrayed against us and have always been arrayed, arrayed against us will either get more state power to carry out their will or they won't. But it is not the only day that matters in the long fight for justice, which I must remember <laughs> if I'm going to be sustained and so must you if you are going to be sustained, that this is a lifelong journey of becoming deeper and closer in Christ and those who came before us so that we might act so that we might act in politics, so that we might act in neighborhood care, so that we might act for justice and bring with us a sense of the joy that is to come that we are fighting for. And I was carrying all of this when I first saw a story some of you might have seen that gave me such peace and joy and a sense of holiness, which is the story of Clinton Cooper. This clip went viral this week right here um, of Clinton and many others waiting in line to vote in Philadelphia, dancing with joy to sustain themselves as they were waiting in a line that is unjustly long to do their basic right of voting in the country in which they live. This, no one should have to wait that long, right? It is an act of voter suppression anytime someone is in a line for two and a half hours. But is the response to give up? No, the response is joy to the polls. A movement that says, let us bring joy to these spaces so that people can sustain themselves to do the hard work of enduring. That which should not have to be endured, but in this broken world sometimes must be in order to live out who we are and what we want and the rights that we know we bear as free people. And I looked into a little bit uh, why Clinton did this. And he said some really, really beautiful things. And the first thing he named when interviewed was an ancestor. He talked about his grandmother who died five years ago and said that when he was growing up, she was always dancing. Not enough to make a fool of herself, <laughs> he says, but enough to let the rhythm get into her enough to let the rhythm get into her. And he said that he learned to dance from her. And when he began dancing that day to the DJ that this nonprofit had brought out to sustain everybody, he said, what I did was dance for joy. That's what our ancestors did. They danced and they smiled even though they couldn't vote. They went through a lot to be where we are today. And we see in his story the same formula for sustenance in hard times that the Hebrews knew and had to remind themselves of so long ago. Are you faced with overwhelming odds? Are you discouraged? Are you tempted to hopelessness? Look to the ancestors and to the cloud of witnesses, to those who came before you and who made a way out of no way that you might even live and be sustained by them. Second, 
Look to the joy that is to come. Be convicted that that promise of a world in which justice and mercy and wholeness and holiness for everyone are known is a real promise. And even if where we live seems so far away from it, our conviction can carry us through. And third, persevere. Persevere and endure and keep on keeping on. Because even if your favorite person wins, there will still be so much work of justice left to do. You cannot leave it on the table. You cannot leave it to others, but we will sustain each other in a joyful practice of fighting for the joy to come. Because those who came before us did it, and most of all, because Jesus did it. Jesus Christ, too, lived in pain. Jesus Christ, too, died under oppression. And Jesus Christ, too, because of the joy to come, proclaimed a resurrection already that we can notice and live into and be sustained by every moment of our lives. And so I pray for us that that will be our conviction to rely on ancestors, joy, perseverance, and Jesus himself. Not only this day and this week, this celebration and this momentous day of voting, but every one that is to come as long as we share this world until the day comes that we share the next one. When Jesus' promises are fully known, that we might know the fruit of whatever work it is that we do and endure here together. Amen. This is a powerful way, I think, of thinking about the communion table that we were about to share today. And so I want us to move right into that communion table now, that we might hold the Hebrews in our hearts while we do it and hold the ancestors in our souls while we do it. And so I invite you this moment right now to go and get some communion elements if you haven't already, a starch and a juice, uh, whatever it is that you have in your home to let God make a miracle out of, go get it. And for those of us who are still here while folks are getting those communion elements, I would invite us to rain down a cloud of witnesses into this space in this very moment. Please share in the comments, or if you can't comment, um, share aloud in your prayer or share with somebody in the room or share in your heart with Jesus Christ, the name or the story of someone in the cloud who is sustaining you today, who is giving you the power to endure, or someone you've lost who you are simply remembering today, somebody you miss. We've had, we've had so much death this year it's been so hard <laughs> um, and we're all living with it in ways conscious and unconscious but the only way to honor the dead is to love them which means to grieve them and so we must say their names and tell their stories and feel their power because that is how they live forever and so I ask you to take a moment today um, to honor somebody or somebodies and share. In a few moments, we will be surrounded by that cloud and take communion with them as well as with one another.
Okay, I hope we all have our elements before us um, and that we have our stories before us. Everyone you have named, spoken or unspoken, takes communion with you today because the holy and miraculous power of communion is that this sacrament from God that makes visible, invisible truths that have been with us all the time is that it breaks down every barrier between people, creating unity in Christ between people who disagree or people who are different, but also between the living and the dead. We are joined at this table by all who have taken it before us. And we can be strengthened in knowing the depth and breadth of the community that surrounds us and of the community that Jesus Christ can and will make whole. So take up your bread and take up your cup. And remember, remember that on the night he gave himself up for us, Jesus gave thanks to God for all that had been. And so we give thanks too. Thanks for the stars and thanks for the trees. Thanks for the notes of care. Thanks for the surprises. <laughs> thanks for one another and thanks for the friends. Thanks for the love and thanks for the grief. We have questions, oh God, we come before you broken in many ways. We come before you with doubts and anger. We come before you with sin, ways that we have harmed and oppressed or hurt, ways that we have been harmed and oppressed and hurt. And we put it all before you, trusting what you will do at this table for and with us. In thanksgiving and confession, we come to remember a night when Jesus did the same, handing out a meal to all he loved and all he knew, those who would stay by him and those who would betray him all the same, and said, this is my table for you. He took the bread, gave thanks to God, and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts of Jesus Christ, we do the same today. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and make these into something more than we could ever make them because it is her table. Holy Spirit, come upon us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us, O God, the body of Christ, that we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Make us one with you, O God, one with one another, one with the cloud of witnesses, one in ministry to this hurting world, this lovely world, this surprising world, this joyful world, until the day finally comes that we live into your promises, into the joy to come, and we feast at your heavenly banquet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as we take and eat, let us say the prayer that Jesus taught us. 
and whatever words are the words of your heart. Or if you've never heard them before, the words on the screen. Our mother, father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Take and eat of it. This is the cup of blessing, which is poured out for you. Drink of it and thirst no more. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Come and eat at the table of grace. Amen. We give thanks, O God, for this holy sacrament of communion. And we ask, O God, that this communion might transform and sustain us, that we would know you and your power, and that we would persevere in the struggle to live into a world that looks more like the one you have promised us, knowing that whatever comes next, we will care for each other through it. We will love through it. We will fight through it, honoring you and honoring our ancestors. Amen. <laughs>